Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends. We're doing it the right way anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Travis Makes Friends podcast. My name is Eric. I'm Travis Chappell's producer. And on today's Freestyle Friday episode, we're taking it back one year to when Travis appeared on the Playbook podcast with David Meltzer. It's not often you get to hear Travis in the guest seat on this show, and I thought this one would be a great way to get you to know a little bit more about Travis's background. He talks a lot about how he grew up in a very strict religious circle. He talks about consistency and the importance of that, and ultimately talks about networking, which is just a fancy word for making friends. And I think it's all just so appropriate for today's episode of the Travis Makes Friends podcast. So without further ado, let's hop into today's episode featuring an interview with Travis Chappell and David Meltzer. Let's get into it. Well, you are certainly a guy who I want to learn the playbook from because, you know, like many of us, you grew up with nothing and uh, you had quite a journey to get to be the founder of Guestio. Uh, let's just start with uh, what is Guestio because yeah. I am uh, just admittedly an investor, an advisor, and I don't think there's uh, a company I'm more excited about, especially being in the space that I am, than Guestio. What is Guestio? Yeah, Guestio is essentially a guest and talent booking marketplace for people like you, people like me who have shows and are looking for high quality guests to interview for those shows, but maybe they're not as blessed in the network area as some of us might be. And so you can go to Guestio and book some of your favorite potential guests for your shows um, if you just have a little bit of budget for them. So think of it kind of like Cameo, but instead of buying a 30 second happy birthday shout out, you're buying a 30 minute interview with somebody that you really want to interview for your content channels. And it's amazing because just like Cameo, it goes in the range is huge. So, mm -hmm. I mean, people book me mm -hmm. from Guestio and people, bigger names will come and come on to my show as well. Yep. But also just shows that are be, uh, just starting out that don't have an audience or a network, like you said, it facilitates the amazing, the whole array of, you know, all the shows here for Blue Wire, they could put there to someone that's just a startup that needs some real credible content. Exactly. Yeah. Cre credible. I mean, that's, that's the key word right there is, is good, credible content. Cause when you're first getting started, you know, like I was back when I got started, nobody knows who you are and, and, and it's, it's hard to get people to know who you are, let alone care about what you have to say. And so the way that my workaround for that, when I got started was, well, I just go and talk to people who people do care about hearing from. And then eventually they started caring about what I said too. Yeah, and that's exactly, and it works every day, and but it does take time, and it takes take repetition, and uh, if you don't have uh, the time or the reputation, it's easier just to go ahead and uh, guestio them on. Now, the influence is to get to where you are, you know, because I love to talk about the entrepreneurial journey, yeah. and uh, I've known you and your journey for quite a while. Uh, my parents have had a great influence on my career, good and bad. What type of influence has your parents had on on your career? I mean, de definitely, definitely good in, in a lot of ways. Uh, my dad was uh, or is a real estate agent, so growing up, I saw, 
you know, what it's like to be a hundred percent commission salesperson, where if you don't work, you don't eat. And, uh, you know, all my, my whole life growing up saw that firsthand. Uh, but on, on kind of the con side of the way that I grew up was that I also grew up in a very, uh, my, my producer is going to get mad at me because I don't, I don't, I don't use the word cult, even though he thinks it's a cult. I, I just say religious bubble, but it's very <laughs> cult like, you know, uh, a very, a lot of similarities uh, between that and the way that I grew up. So just to give you an idea of the bubble that I'm talking about, I graduated kindergarten, eighth grade, high school, college, all on the same campus. So not even the same, like, you know, denomination or zip code, the same campus, which was also the campus that I went to church on. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, because we had so many on Saturdays, which is like knocking doors and inviting people to come to church. Basically, every day of the week from the time that I was in kindergarten all the way through the time I was 21 was lived on this one 40-acre campus, its own little mini compound, like a city within a city almost. Um, and that, that, was, that was how I grew up. So there was a lot of that influence as well coming into into adulthood where I got to the end of college. I was graduating with a degree in Bible and church ministries, realized I didn't want to be doing that at all. And uh, But at that point, I was it was kind of already too late. I know I was graduating. And so I got married before I graduated. I had a wife. I bought a house right after I graduated. So I had a mortgage to pay. And I didn't have the ability just to go sleep on my mom's couch until I figured out what I wanted to do with my life. I had to figure it out right now. And so I just did the only thing I knew how to do at the time, which was door-to-door sales. And I did door-to-door for several years after that, paying the bills, trying to figure out what I was going to do next. Because you were used to knocking on doors. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was the 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 solar company that was recruiting out of our college was, you know, they were, they were really smart for going to a college full of a bunch of Door young knockers. kids who didn't, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we didn't party on the weekends, you know, we didn't do any of that stuff because we were all, you know, very stuck in that world. So, you know, what, what else is there to do on your weekends other than go try to make a little bit of extra cash by knocking on doors and selling stuff? And, you know, one of the pieces of being an entrepreneur uh, is not listening to what other people think. Hmm. But it seems like to me from the time you were born until you graduated college, you were only worried about what everybody else wanted for you, not what you wanted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How so, did you shift that paradigm? It was not not easy at all. It was very much, um, I feel like probably something I, that I'm still working through psychologically in in terms of just trying to get over the thought of what other people have for me. But eventually I got to this point in my life, you know, in my early 20s where I realized that the degree that I had was useless. The experience that I had was basically useless because I was a door-to-door salesperson. Nobody, like, nobody would hire me. I was, I was applying for regular sales jobs. Nobody would hire me. And so I was like, well, my degree is useless. And now the thing that I know how to do really well, nobody seems to care about that either. So what do I do? And it was at that point where I finally started looking in the mirror and realizing that, look, regardless of what everybody else thinks, I'm the only person that has to wake up every single day, look at myself in the mirror and be me. So I literally cannot expect to live a happy and fulfilled life if my daily actions are built to make other people happy instead of built to make me happy. And that's when a lot of those things, I think, started to change. And I started to, on purpose, search out those new directions. You know, I didn't know your background, but I've known you for a long time. And I've always thought of you as a hustler, right? Someone who can enjoy the consistent every day, persistent without quit pursuit of your own potential. Uh, So, you know, I have this theory about hustling. You know, it's either born in you or something happens that you are bottomed out that you have to become a hustler uh, and it's found in you. How is that hustle for you? Where did it come from? How did it evolve? 
I think I was definitely born with some of it because if I look back even in that world where, you know, there's, it's a, it's a toxic relationship with money the way that, that I grew up from a lot of the other outside influences. My parents were, were, were better with it, but a lot of the other influences were not. And so coming out of that, I still, even in that world was still trying to hustle and make a dime here and there. I started a landscaping company. My, before my senior year of high school, I was bringing stuff to school to sell to the other kids. I think that was like born in me, but then in early adulthood, like I said, when I, when I had a mortgage to pay and I had a wife and I had bills and all these other things. And then I knew that I wasn't going to be in ministry and I knew that I didn't want to keep doing door to door forever. That was a big back against the wall moment where I think that hustle was just kind of reignited under a different passion to figure out what my potential in life really was and not just worrying about hustling to make the next dollar. Cause you know, door to door is a hustle. Don't get me wrong. hundred percent commission door to door is a grind. Yeah, it is. you know, but uh, but I knew I knew that that wasn't going to be what what I was meant to do, and so at that point, I think it just kind of reignited it in a just in a different direction in in in, in the personal development self education space because that was the first time I had ever really downloaded a podcast or read a book was at that time in my life where I was like, man, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm doing here. I got to figure this out. You know, one of the interesting things in my career was I became a faith based entrepreneur mm-hmm. uh, in. That faith uh, has taken on many different forms, but that faith has always allowed me to bring my higher power of thinking. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. My ideas to life. And Guestio is a manifestation in my mind. I've seen historically and evolutionary how you've manifested you know this company through building your own career seeing a need fulfilling the need and materializing the need into a company with a product solution and service all in one it's it's terrific what type of influence did your faith because you were 
forced into faith. Uh, how, how much is it a faith-based entrepreneurship that you're bringing your ideas to life, or do you see some other type of methodology to the manifestation? Because you're really good at it. You bring ideas to life, but you have a certain methodology. I was wondering if you have ever thought about how have you utilized faith or no faith in order to, to effectuate that? Yeah, you know, I, I think that I think that it has a direct, direct influence over the way that I view the world because regardless of your religious beliefs, when I look at what that pastor did at the place that I grew up at, it was still a manifestation bringing something to life that didn't exist before because he took over the church when there was 12 people in it. And then by the time I left, there was 7,000 members of the church, a thousand student college and 500 kids in the K through 12, all private enrollment with only church members and a publication ministry and, you know, best-selling books and all this stuff that came out of nothing. And I think that I saw a lot of that growing up. And I think the the part where they where they messed it up was the almost over-glorification of man in those contexts rather than the um, amplification of the, you know, religious side. But but I think what, what I was able to do with that kind of in business was use those things as a framework to be able to develop into. And so a lot of these you know, personal development things and even uh, business development things were were a lot of things that I saw firsthand growing up, um, and I think that that had a major influence on the way that you know I started navigating throughout my own career. But um, in in terms of the actual you know spiritual fruition of the things that I put together, I don't I don't really look at it as as much of a faith based practice because it's to me it's so much more practical than that. Like it's something that I can really wrap my mind around and it's really just kind of simple to understand. It was just like, I took action in a direction. I realized there was a big problem that I had that a bunch of other people were also having and that you could solve that problem if you could figure out some sort of a way to fulfill that problem with a product or a service. And then, you know, started with a little bit of service-based and then started turning that more into a product. And I think that it, it was just so measurable. Um, but the, the manifestation of that, I think is something that I definitely saw a lot of growing up. And how difficult it how difficult was it for you to learn how to network when you have such a closed bubble environment? You're an extreme networker. You know, I meet very few people that I feel understand the emotional attachment and the credibility issues involved in networking, finding yeah. open minds. And you seem to have that knack, which is one of the reasons I wanted to invest in you, because you get it and your network is huge and I know it will exponentially grow. How did that impact what you were doing? Yeah, that was a direct correlation of the problems that I faced immediately after leaving the world that I grew up in because it was very much, as soon as I kind of left that world and figured out my own path forward, you know, that was before the path existed, but it was right after I kind of broke ties with everything that I grew up with. And when you leave that world, it, you know, it's not like everybody's hoping that you fail, but a lot of people just don't really care anymore. Like you're not about their mission, so they're not about helping you achieve your did mission. that include your parents? Um, my parents, no, they, they were always supportive, but they didn't really a lot of times know how to to help, you know, guide me because they knew what they were good at. And outside of that, there wasn't any, anything that really existed in their mind. And so, and, and we still came from a super small town, you know what I mean? So there wasn't a lot of like stuff that came out of that. So when I tell people like my, my podcast was called Build Your Network for almost 700 episodes, almost 2 million downloads, talked to a lot of awesome people. The reason that Build Your Network meant so much to me is that I had to personally go through that process because when I started in the business world, I had zero connections. Like I, I'd never even met or like sh like shook hands with a millionaire, let alone <laughs> had a friend or a person I could text or call or ask a question to or sit down and grab coffee with or something like that. I didn't have anything like that. So when I was starting that, 
it was quite literally starting from scratch. And I think that's what forced me to learn the process because I knew from an intellectual standpoint that if I had any chance of trying to make it, the best way to do that was to go get around people who already had and learn from them. I just didn't know anybody. So I was like, well, I probably should get good at trying to go learn how to connect with these people so that if I have any chance of making it, it's going to be a direct correlation to the amount of people that I can get in front of who've already done what I want to do. And so that it, it forced me to start this podcast about networking. And it was, it was a discovery process for myself. It wasn't even just something that I could do for other people. It was like almost a selfish deep dive into the topic because I knew that that's what I needed most at the time. And, you know, one of the reasons I decided to invest and be an advisor to Guestio and invest in you is that we share another value uh, that a lot of people, I think, discount. And you definitely don't. You understand that consistency is the hobgoblin of conscious, conscious competency of being able to take something from the conscious to the subconscious to create a frequency from that. And I may use different vernacular than a lot of people understand. Uh, another way that I think I've heard you put it to me is I can do shit over and over again. Uh, <laughs> you're just consistent. Yeah. And that consistency compounds itself and it aggregates itself and it exponentially allows you to grow. How important is consistency in what you do? And that seems to be something you probably learned from a young age, being in that bubble. Uh, how important is that consistency? And, and did you learn it at a young age? I, I think that consistency is everything. And I think that I learned it in a um, um, intangible way growing up, but probably more of a conscious, tangible way in the last few years by looking at people like you, people that I looked up to that and respected in the content creation world, especially in content creation, um, that were painfully consistent. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thank painfully you. I think that is consistent. a compliment. Thank you. Yeah, no, it is. And, Maybe I'll and, take that as a subtitle into the playbook. <laughs> painfully <laughs> consistent, the playbook. <laughs> it, it just happened. It, it, it happens that way, man. And at the beginning, it was very painful for me because nobody listened. Like nobody knew who Travis Chappell was. Nobody, nobody, you know, gave a shit about what I had, what, what I was up to. Nobody cared. And honestly, rightfully so. I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't earned the right to demand attention to begin with. And so it was painful for a while putting out, I was doing three episodes a week on my show when nobody was listening. Like three interviews every single week is a difficult release schedule to keep up, even when you have a bunch of people who are listening to your show. But when you're putting in that much work and it's like crickets every time you release an episode, it's that much more difficult to get back up the next week and start recording more episodes and flying out to guests and making sense of these expenses that don't even really make sense on paper because you can't track the ROI, but you just have faith that it's going to come back in some point in the future. Like that's, I mean, that's painful consistency right there, but I think that it's, that it's everything. And, it, and then once you do it one time and you start to get on the other side of the pain, you start to realize that that's really the point where most people give up is they're not willing to be painfully consistent. So they don't get to get to the reward at the other end. I liken it to playing the guitar because when I first started learning playing the guitar, I literally, Dave, used to think to myself, maybe I'm just one of those people that can't learn the guitar, <laughs> right, you know, because that. like it was literally painful on my fingers to keep the strings down and I would try to strum a chord and it would just be buzzing and making all these weird sounds. And I was like, this sucks. Like, it's not fun to practice. It's not fun to like play this music. Like I thought it was going to be, maybe I just can't play the guitar. And then after like three months, something magical happens and you get these little things on your fingers called calluses. And then when you press down on the strings, now all of a sudden the strings stay down. It doesn't buzz and you have a clean, you know, chord and then you can play another chord and then your chord transitions get better. And then you're like, oh, this is actually kind of fun. Most people will not build the calluses. 
And that's what consistency does is it builds up those calluses. It, it allows you to be able to move on to the next step of the process. I love that. Build the calluses from bubble to billions founder of Guestio, which I'm an advisor in gladly an investor in. Please check them out at Guestio, especially if you have a podcast or need any guests at all, uh, small or large. It doesn't matter. We're here at Blue Wire Studios at the win. I'm David Meltzer. Thank you so much. This is The Playbook. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you since I'm sharing my friends with you is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet and leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.